Good morning, Five Stones. So good to be back with you this morning. So today, we're going to continue on our sermon series in the, uh, in the spiritual disciplines. Today, we're going to talk about confession. Confession. And uh, this is the 10th uh, tenth, tenth sermon on the, uh, on, on the 12th sermon series. And... Uh, as we, as we go through this series, I trust that we are learning. We are learning about uh, how to walk with Jesus, to live as Jesus did, to strengthen our spiritual muscles, and to be a, a place where, um, to, to have a place in our hearts for, for God, for God. So today, as we, uh, before we go any further, let us pray. Father God, we are, we are so blessed to be be welcomed into your presence through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is by your spirit that we understand that you're moving in our hearts and that you are here with us and that you will never leave us nor forsake us. So as we, as we look into your living word, may our hearts be blessed. May our hearts just draw near to you. May you teach us by your Holy Spirit. May you teach us and uh, help us to comprehend, think through uh, what your word has to say to us. Help us in our meditation of your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Okay, confession. What comes to your mind when you, when you think about the word confession? Well, one, you know, I, I grew up in, uh, watching a lot of movies and, uh, and stuff like that, and what happens when you watch a lot of movies, uh, Hollywood movies about confession and so on? This kind of picture comes to my mind. Yeah, the, the uh, confession box. You know, you go in, go into the uh, uh, in a lot of the uh, Roman Catholic churches. You, they have they have this confession boxes. You go in there and then you confess your sins with the priest and so on. And uh, and the uh, penitent will be will be there speaking to the priest and through a screen. And uh, and then talking about uh, uh, what's what's on their hearts, um, and then at for for me when I watch some of these movies, I watch like those those gangster movies. You know, all these gangsters they go they go and talk to their priests, and uh, and and uh, but they don't change their hearts. <laughs> it seems like it, after they confess, they go out and then they kill some more and and murder people and whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's no transformation of heart, it seems. So today, I think we need to, to really look closely at, at that word confession to, to study it a little bit more, to get a, get a handle on that. Is it, is it uh, like the Hollywood kind of movie portrayal of confession? You just go confess the sins and then go and sin all you want, you know, and then, and then come back and then become uh, more, uh, you know, m do more confession and then go on and then sin some more and then come back and, What's what's going on? What's going on with uh, this this discipline of confession? So let's look at it uh, fresh freshly, because we we don't want to just uh, uh, take it for granted. I, I know a lot of us just privately we in our prayers we we do confess our sins before God and and so on, and uh, and a lot of we've been taught and in, uh, in uh, if you have grown up in evangelical churches to to confess your sins as well. But you confess it privately. You don't. You don't need to go to a, a priest and, and so on. Uh, in in the evangelical uh, Christian uh, uh, tradition, 
So we need to look, I think, take a fresh look at, the, at that word confession. Uh, have, we, have, we, have we gone way off from the way the Bible talks about confession or are we, are we really in line with what, uh, what the Bible has to teach us? So let's look at how Jesus, uh, you know, Jesus, of course, did not need to confess his sins because he's sinless, right? But so how, how did Jesus then teach us confession? So let's look at this in uh, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 4, uh, reading from the New Testament for everyone version of the Bible. And so here it is. Once Jesus was praying in a particular place, when he had finished, one of his disciples approached, teach us to pray, Master, he said, just like John taught his disciples. When you pray, replied Jesus, this is what to say. Father, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, since we too forgive our debtors. And don't put us to the test. And, and it seems to me in, in what we commonly call the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, which is actually not the Lord's Prayer, but actually the disciples' prayer, because this is what the disciples are to pray. And uh, in this prayerful discipleship, Jesus is teaching his disciples Forgive us our sins. There's a place for confession. Forgive us our sins, since we too forgive our debtors. I want you all to look at the, uh, the just, just examine the, uh, the context of this, of this uh, passage of scripture. It says, once Jesus was praying in a particular place, when he had finished, one of the disciples approached. It seems like what this Bible verse is saying is that uh, here, here is Jesus praying, and the disciples noticed what was going on. Jesus was praying and said, oh, I want to pray like Jesus prayed. I want to, uh, when he had finished, they, they, they have taken notice of, that, of the fact that Jesus prays a lot. And, uh, and then the, when he had finished, the disciples, one of them approached. He says, teach us to pray. Now, think about this word, teach us to pray. He did not say, teach us how pray, but teach us to pray. Notice the difference? Teach us to pray. Why? Why did the disciple say that? To teach us to pray. Because they already knew how to pray. How? How do I know that? Well, if you grew up in a Jewish tradition, you've been taught prayer upside down and inside and out everywhere, right? They, they even have a, a book called the Book of Psalms, which is their book of prayer, and they and they recite that, they, they know it, and they know how to pray. But something else has been said here by the disciples. He's saying, teach us to pray, Master, like you really pray. Right? I mean, you really pray, and, and, and it seems things happen when you pray. Teach us to pray like that. Teach us to pray just like John taught his disciples. So Jesus taught them. May your name be honored, Father. May your name be honored. Sometimes I wonder, um, I mean, uh, way back, uh, I don't know how many years ago, I, I read this book, and, uh, and it, 
And this book, it, it talked about the, the name of God. It's not very well honored, especially in the, those of us that grew up in the evangelical churches. Because we, we, uh, we hear many times we, the name of God is not being honored. And, 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 uh, and the author was saying something about, did you notice that some of, some of the times when you listen to the prayers of our, of our evangelical uh, church friends, it seems like they, they don't really honor God. How? Because they keep repeating uh, the name of God. Can you imagine, he was saying, can you imagine if, let's say you have a friend who comes to you and every sentence, they begin every sentence with your name and then end every sentence with your name again. And every few words, they say, keep saying your, your name. You get annoyed, right? <laughs> you get, hey, hey, Andrew, what about this, Andrew? Hey, Andrew, again, what about this? And then they keep using the name of God, and the name of God is not being, uh, I mean, if you think about it, the name of God is not being honored when, when you keep repeating without thinking, right? Without really having any sense of let your name be honored, God, right? Let your name be honored. Uh, the Jewish folks, they, they grew up with a sense of, of uh, not even saying the name of God aloud because they, they are afraid of, of uh, profaning the name or, or not, reverend, not having a reverent attitude towards, towards the name of God. May your name be honored. Sometimes I, I, I get convicted too, you know, like I use, I use God's name as a comma rather, rather than, a, you know, you just, you just pause and then suddenly you've got nothing to say and then use his name as a comma rather than, a, rather than reverencing, worshiping the name of God. And I, I get that, you know, like we, we, we sometimes, you know, as, as, as Christians, we, we, we get carried away with, with prayer and then we start without thinking. I, I, I want to call that uh, um, comma coma. You know, we get we get into a comma coma where where we use the name of God as a, as a comma as a as something just to fill in the blanks uh, when we when we don't know what to say anymore. <laughs> and I think we need to be in a place where we hey let's let's really worship this name. Didn't we just sing what a beautiful name it is? What a beautiful name, the name of Jesus Christ. Do we really say that with all of our being, with all our heart, with all our soul, that we, we love this Savior, we love this God, we, we reverence the name of God, and you, we just don't want, you, don't want your, your name to be put into a comma or, or use it as a curse name, right? So today, as we, as we think through that, confession is a time of just really coming to God with a real reverent attitude, with a real... God, I want your name to be honored. I want your name to be loved. I want your name to be, to be in my heart forever and ever. I want your name to be lifted high, exalted, and honored and worshiped because it's a beautiful, beautiful name, the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord. So today, as we think about this, this the context of confessing, Jesus teaching us confession, Part of it is we need to confess that sometimes we don't even think about the name of God. <laughs> you know, we don't even reverence this name very properly. And uh, 
And then to really come to God with, with a sense of, yes, forgive us when we have used your name wrongly, when we have used your name as if, as if it's just a, a, uh, something just to end off our, our sentences in prayer. So think about how we give glory and honor and reverence to the name of God and, pr- and ask God to really change our hearts in, in, in the way that we, we, we go to God. Now, the name of, of uh, that Jesus used, Father, said, Father, may your name be honored. That, that name, Abba, in the Aramaic, has a, has a sense of intimacy. Uh, it's, 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 that it's a child calling out to the, to the father figure. In, 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 in the context of a Jewish home. Uh, and, and, and it has a sense of they're not totally equal, <laughs> right? And sometimes we see in an in evangelical culture, we always seem to have this sense of, hey, Jesus is my buddy, and, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and he's going to be, you know, like, uh, like a sense of, of, uh, of I, we are so equal that we, 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 we we share everything, and, uh, and but really, when you think about it, you know, God is, his name is ab- the name that is above all names, isn't it? And, and, he, and, and God's name is, is, is totally different from our name. His name is holy, set apart. That's what the Bible tells us. His name is set apart. His name is holy. So today, as we think about confession, think about how, how maybe we have not really think through what, when we, what we say to God. And, um, and sometimes, you know, in, a, in, in the excitement of prayer, we, we get it all confused. The Father is Jesus or the Jesus is Father. But really, Father, the Father is not Jesus, <laughs> right? Jesus is not the Father. They, they are distinct persons in the Holy, uh, I mean in the Holy Trinity. And we, we need to get some of our theology right too as, as we think about it. And s- I mean, sometimes we, we do get a little bit excited in our prayers and we blur, blur it out. And uh, me too, we get all confused, right? <laughs> get a, the Holy Spirit is Jesus or the d- and, and so on. We get confused. And, uh, and, and maybe, maybe it's time to really reverence the name of God, really think through, to love God with all our heart, soul, and, you know, mind, right? To really think through what we are saying. God and to really believe in the power of his name and to trust that name that w- which is above every other name. So in the context of, of prayerful discipleship, of, of learning to pray, Jesus taught us to really pray with confession. Forgive us our sins, since we too, and there's this sense of following through, not only that we get our sins forgiven by God, but that we too live out in the grace and the mercy of God, that we too forgive all our debtors, that we too need to lay down our arms and when we, when we have people that have hurt us or say mean things to us, God, we forgive them too, right? All our debtors. And don't put us to the test. Don't put us to the test, meaning... I think a sense of, of uh, yeah, I, life is hard. We're, we're going through all kinds of trials and temptations. And, uh, and some one of those trials and temptations are those who are in debt, in debt indebted to us. And, uh, 
and we want to demand a pound of flesh. And God says to us, Jesus, our Lord is teaching us, yeah, give that grace, give that mercy as well to others. But when we see other people hurting us and putting us to the test, oh God, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. We too ask for that. So when it comes to confession, Jesus, I think, is teaching us to come to him with a sense of um, worship, with a sense of really following him, that, we are, that he is not just uh, your daddy, but somebody who is, whose name is above every other name. And uh, that he's not just some, somebody that you can pull out you know, from, your, from your pocket. This is my personal phone, and this is my personal friend, or whatever it is. And just, just reverence the name of God. He is not your personal assistant, right? He is not someone who, is, who comes. He comes as, as one who loves you, who wants to be intimate with you, and who wants to be a, a father to his child. So today, think through. Uh, what we are saying when we are confessing or when we are praying. Uh, in the uh, okay, can we can we get the next slide? <laughs> I think it's not working. Oh, oh, it is working. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I'm oh going back back. Okay. Uh, right. Ah, okay. I remember, uh, wow, way, way back, I was taught this, this acrostic here. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. The word acts. And when it comes to, uh, in, in my tradition that I grew up with, this is this how I was discipled to, to pray. Pray with adoration, pray with confession, pray with thanksgiving. And supplication. So this is some something that's easy for for us to remember, and I like that. I like I like the whole idea. Uh, and and other church tradition uh, taught people to to um, say Kiri Elizon, uh, which is Lord have mercy, or which is a shortened version of this, like what they call the Jesus prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me as sinner. And some, some other churches traditions would have all kinds of different ways of, of confessing uh, confessing uh, their sins or confessing uh, what's happening in their hearts and their lives. So I don't know all your traditions, I don't know all your customs. Maybe this is a way for us, to helpful for us to think through how we could live a life uh, that is confessing, uh, that is um, that follows Jesus in the way that he wants us to live, to repeat this, this, this sense of, uh, of humility in our hearts and our lives. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Right. So today, as we look at that, confession, this is discipline of confession, from a, this is a quote that I took from Richard Foster. Confession is the spiritual discipline that allows us to enter into the grace and mercy of God in such a way that we experience forgiveness and healing for the sins and sorrows of the past. It is the cross of Jesus Christ that makes both the forgiveness and the healing a reality. I like this. This is 
is about the, the cross of Jesus Christ. Without the cross, the discipline of confession would be only psychologically therapeutic. And I think that's very true. Uh, we need to place the cross of Christ right at the front and center of what it means uh, to be confessing our sins. It is through the cross that we get this forgiveness of sins. It is through the cross that we get this healing uh, from uh, our crooked way of life. So as we look at the scriptures again, it says here in 1 John 1, verses 8 to 10, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So confession restores our fellowship with God. If we confess our sins, he, he will be there, faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As we think through, um, you know, I, I was thinking through how I was discipled uh, way back as a teenager. And one of the verses that they keep drilling into me is this, <laughs> you know, uh, we need to confess our sins. We need to uh, get this right because if we get this right, we know that you will be forgiven and you will be cleansed from all unrighteousness. And it was drilled into me uh, from, a, from a very young age. Now, I want to confess also that uh, I, I wasn't a Christian uh, as, as, a, uh, as a young person. I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I grew up in a, in a Taoist, Buddhist, uh, slash, I don't know what, <laughs> Chinese-type uh, religion uh, kind of home. And uh, so I didn't, I didn't grow up in a, in a Christian home. I didn't, I didn't pray a lot. I, I wasn't uh, part of my tradition. I was more of an atheist than anything. Uh, and then went to school. It was a Roman Catholic school. And, and in Malaysia, where I grew up, schools are always divided into you know, girls' school and then boys' school. There's, there's no mixing of the sexes. Either you're in a girls' school or a boys' school. Uh, and, uh, and so part of my, uh, part of, part of, uh, my growing up was like uh, I got a, a real... Uh, almost a, a uh, what do you call it, a, um, a sense of, of aversion to girls, you know, like, you know, oh, girls are, are, are yucky or whatever, at a very young age, yeah, and then, then I grew up into a teenager, and then it all, it all changed, right, <laughs> yeah, girls are not yucky anymore, uh, in fact, but I was in a boys' school, right, so we don't get to go and, and meet a lot of girls, and, uh, and, and so where do you go to meet girls? Go to church. <laughs> yeah, you go to church, and uh, so that was a drawing card for me when I when I was going to church. It's, it was uh, uh, as a teenager, around 15 years old. I I, I started to uh, go to church because not because you know I wanted to know God or anything, uh, or, or that preacher was so good. You know, like I I had I have to go and listen. I mean, he is just so charismatic, so wonderful. Uh, no, it wasn't that. Yeah. 
I can't even remember the sermons that, uh, that any of the sermons basically that I went to uh, for, for church as a teenager. So I, I went to church not, not, to, not to meet God or, or to worship or to do, do you know, all those nice spiritual things. I, I went there just to, just, oh, whoa, that, that girl is awesome. <laughs> that girl is super cute or whatever it is. And went there to do, to do that. To, that was my purpose, yes. But then God slowly, as I, as, 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 as I attended church, God slowly changed my heart. And I began to uh, get involved in my, 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 the whole sense of, uh, of, of uh, attending church just changed suddenly. As, as I, it seems like the word of God just, just changed me. And, uh, and I remember one time, there was this, this wonderful song that was, that was, that was uh, played uh, in church and, and was based on Romans chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, that, uh, and that the love of God was shared abroad in my heart, in our hearts, uh, by the Holy Spirit. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And and that song just kept repeating in my heart. And those words from scripture, this suddenly one day, while I was, because I, I love that song. Why? Because it was, it was done to a, 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 like a 60s pop rock song. And, uh, and, it, and it was a really nice tune, you know, with C, A minor, F, and G. And uh, it was easy to play on the guitar. And, uh, and it got me. That song got me. And it became like a, like a like an earworm, right? Just just kind of played in my in my ear. Then it moved into my heart. And at that time, as I was playing this song, uh, just quietly by myself in my at the in my house, it seems like the Lord spoke to my heart that I am justified by faith. And then I placed my faith in God. And then something warm, something beautiful just happened in my heart. And I just felt that the love of God is truly shared abroad in my heart through the Holy Spirit. And I began to, to follow God after that. It wasn't, it wasn't a perfect uh, following of God. I mean, I still was, you know, like uh, uh, part of it, you know, going to church was to see girls, right? <laughs> But God did a slow movement in my heart towards him. And I was changed. I was changed. And the confession of sin came as a result of, of, a, of a fact that Jesus loved me even while I was still a sinner. Confession came easier when I knew that there was a guarantee that I would be loved and I would be forgiven and I would be welcomed. So today, confess our sins. I think he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins. However, confession is not built into us, right? It's not in our DNA at all. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verses 10 to 12 talk about the fact that uh, Adam, when it was found out, 
what happened. I was afraid because I was naked. I hid myself. Uh, and that ever since then, that's built into us. We've been hiding. We've been, we've, we feel exposed when it comes to our sins. We feel exposed. We, we're afraid. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman you gave. <laughs> Whom you gave. It's, and the blame game is built into us as well. You know, we, we try to deflect and we try to hide the fact that we have fallen short of the glory of God. Oh, though it was the woman whom you gave. <laughs> whom you gave. And not pointing to ourselves, but somewhere else, deflecting. That's in our, we have an allergy uh, to confession. It's been inherited. And today as we think through this, this whole notion of confession, let us think how we too have chosen, we have this volition, this choice, we have chosen to think in our irrational, rational minds that somehow if we hide, if we deflect the blame, if we, if we, do s if we just run away from it, somehow uh, we, we could feel better about ourselves. But we know that that doesn't work, right? <laughs> that doesn't work. So today, as we think through it, confession is really a difficult discipline for us because we all too often view the believing community as a fellowship of saints before we see it as a fellowship of sinners. We feel that everyone else has advanced so far into holiness that we are isolated and alone in our sin. We cannot bear to reveal our failures and shortcomings to others. We imagine that we are the only ones who have not stepped onto the high road to heaven. Therefore, we hide ourselves from one another and live in veiled lies and hypocrisy. I like what Foster says here. Yeah. This is a difficult discipline because nobody wants to look weak, right? Nobody wants to look imperfect. No, everybody wants to look like, wow, we are always on top of our game. And that's why this, this discipline is really tough. It's not built in us. But we know if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Furthermore, it's very hard work to cover up, isn't it? Uh, the lesson of Watergate is that, uh, that a lie cannot live for long, according to Charles Colton. Um, some of you don't know what Watergate is because you're too young or haven't been born yet. <laughs> but if you look it up, uh, Charles Colton was the, was the, uh, the henchman for uh, Richard Nixon, uh, the president of the U.S. And when the Watergate scandal broke out, they tried to cover it up. They tried to cover up the scandal. Uh, here... Uh, Colton was saying, we're the 10 most powerful men in the United States. With all that power, we couldn't contain a lie for two weeks. When the story broke, just <laughs> everything just went sideways. And Colson was saying this in the with, uh, with the fact that uh, of uh, testifying to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a lie, the whole story of the resurrection will within two weeks or, le or less. Uh, either the, uh, the disciples of Jesus would have confessed, oh, man, man, 
kill you. <laughs> this is all a lie. Don't, don't, don't crucify us or don't beat us or whatever it is. They, they would have cracked under the pressure. And uh, 10 most powerful people in the United States couldn't keep a lie. That speaks of the, uh, how much hard work it takes to cover up. So Psalm 32 verse 3 says this, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. And I groaned all day long. It's really hard to keep it in us. Maybe some of us are suffering from psychosomatic illnesses. It's maybe it's the fact that we haven't confessed our hearts um, to our God. Maybe we, have cry, we feel like we're wasting away. Maybe, maybe perhaps we're, we're groaning. It's because we haven't been real with God. We've, we've hidden. We've, we've, we've hide. We ran away. We, we blame or we do something that, that's, that uh, we think in our rational mind is, is a way to get feeling good again. So today, think through it. How rough it is to, to hide. How rough it is to try to cover uh, the Bible tells us about uh, the how the apostle uh, Peter, um, if you think through it, all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all talk about this apostle Peter's betrayal of Jesus. And Peter wept very, very bitterly. Uh, he really regretted the fact that he actually did betray Jesus, but think about it, reflect on the power of Peter's story in the context of the first century. Think about the, the first century when, when all this was happening. The, the think about the, uh, even today in the Middle East, you know, the honor code. It is such a, a, a huge thing to, to not be filled with shame. And, and to think through Peter going through telling that story. How did the early church knew about this story? And, and it's even recorded in all four Gospels. How did they know? I believe it's because Peter publicly confessed. Confessed his sins. He confessed and he wept bitterly. All of this tells us that it is also part of following Christ. When we come and be real with ourselves, but then think about how powerful that story is and how much hope it gives to others when they see even the, uh, the great apostle Peter, the one who, who uh, is basically the rock of the church now. He confessed. He became real and to the church back then. Think about Apostle Paul's transformation story. Think about uh, how, how he too was uh, lived out confession. Now, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 6, uh, he talks about his, his background. It says, he sent he Hebrew through and through. Uh, Torah observance, knowing the... Uh, uh, the book of uh, first five books of the Bible, the, a Pharisee, 
zealous, I persecuted the church. Official status under the law, blameless, blameless. So zealous, I persecuted the church. I, mean, I, was, I was the one that was really, really zealous for God. I, I, I really live for God. And then think about uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 8 to 9. As to one ripped from the womb, he appeared even to me. I'm the least of the apostles, you see. In fact, I don't really deserve to be called an apostle at all because I persecuted God's church. I persecuted. I think this, this was not something that he, he loved very much about himself. Paul was, a uh, few times here he mentioned about, I persecuted. This is, this is, this is something that, that hurts him. Because he, he has persecuted the church that Jesus loved. And it hurt him a lot. Um, but why did he do that? Why did he go out and, uh, and, 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 and persecuted the church? Because he was living under the tradition, tradition of zeal. See, Psalm 106, and you know Numbers chapter 25 too. The story is told that Phineas... Uh, stood up and intervened when, uh, when there was this huge uh, outbreak of a, of a plague that was going on and Phineas stood up and, uh, and basically executed and killed uh, two people. Uh, one of them was a, was a, a son of a, the leader of, uh, of the Israelites and then the other was uh, Cosby who is a a daughter of uh, a Midianite chief, and uh, and they were not supposed to intermarry. And why? Because it was causing idolatry, and idolatry just broke out like crazy in uh, Numbers chapter twenty-five. But Psalm one hundred six remembered that story, and it says, "Yeah, they yoked themselves to Baal, to idol worship, and a plague broke out." And according to Numbers chapter twenty-five, it says that twenty-four thousand people died. And Phineas, fed up of that, said, stood up, intervened, put a spear to these two people, and the plague was stayed. And that was counted to him as righteousness from generation to generation forever. So this was a tradition of zeal. I was zealous. Zealous, I persecuted the church. This is what Paul was indoctrinated with. He was taught from very young that this is the way to live, is to make sure that the plague of the Romans or the plague of whatever that causing heartbreak in Israel would be gotten rid of. And so, under this tradition of zeal, he thought he was serving the God of, 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 of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. He thought that he was serving God with this zeal, this tradition of zeal. So he stood up and he persecuted the church because he thought he was going, uh, doing the right thing. He was doing the right thing. But we also know that this as he was conf confronted in the, in, in the, uh, by Jesus in Acts chapter 9, it talks about how he changed because he now knew he was persecuting the God that he thought he loved and served. And he persecuted the church. And I think perhaps we, this is one of the, th of the thorns in his flesh. That was in uh, that's recorded in Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verses seven and eight. I don't know for sure because the scholars, Bible, Bible scholars, couldn't couldn't um, 
figure out what thorn in, in the flesh actually means, but it, this could be one of them. This could be the thing that has, that has filled his heart with regret, filled his heart with pain every time it thinks about it, um, how, how he had persecuted the very people of God that, uh, that Jesus loves. But he thought he was living in a tradition of zeal. He, he thought that he was going to put an end to the rebellion of, of this godless people. And as a result of that, we get this story. He confessed, I persecuted the church of God. I persecuted. And today, I think we need to learn from all these transformation, transformation stories, all these uh, Bible stories throughout the, the, the narrative of Scripture that uh, all these giants of the faith, they all have things in their hearts and their lives that, that seem to... to uh, to be scandalous and seem to be uh, saying things that are that are that would have filled people with a lot of shame, you know, like David, a man after God's own heart, they say, but he had uh, adultery, he had murder, and and so on. But how do we all know about those stories? Is because they all confessed, right? They all told us the real story, the truth. And the same thing happens to, will happen to us who are all messed up. We are all messed up. We, are all, uh, we all have things that we are ashamed of. And to a messed up church, think about the, the book of 1 Corinthians. This is a messed up church, right? The Corinthian church. They, I mean, they had all kinds of crazy things going on in that church. Um, all kinds of sexual sins to immorality to all kinds of, all kinds of, uh, suing each other in, as, as, as a church people. And, and what is Paul's first few words to them? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Grace and peace to you, right? Grace and peace to you from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. This was always God's posture towards his people. Remember the er ironic uh, blessing the priestly blessing that's given in Numbers chapter 6, the Lord said to Moses, see, the, it is the Lord that said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, you who are the priests, tell them, this is how you are to bless Israel, the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace, grace and peace, grace and peace, so that they will put my name on the Israelites and I will Bless, not blast. Bless them, right? And all this is Aaron, you the priest. This is what you are to say to them. What you, this is how you are to bless the Israelites who are always, always in my face, <laughs> right? And uh, and always, always causing my, causing me so much heartache and pain, because they are so rebellious. But this is what you have to say to them. This is how you are to bless them, with grace and with peace. This is always for a messed up Israel and for a messed up church. God's first few words to us is grace and peace. And it is always easier, always easier, even though it's our DNA to hide, it's always easier to come to the open arms of God 
when his word to us is always has and has always been and has always been right from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Grace and peace to you. So James chapter 5, verse 16 tells us uh, this. Are any among you suffering? Let them pray. Are any cheerful? Let them sing something. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and should pray over the sick person, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Faithful prayer will rescue a sick person and the Lord will raise them up. If they've committed any sin, it will be forgiven, given them. So confess the sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Um, when when it comes to anointing, some some of us think that this this only uh, only a few people can do it. Or, um, well, the word anoint actually means uh, it comes from the from the root of uh, of the shepherds caring for the sheep. Now the sheep they go out everywhere and they get dirty and they get you know infected with lice or whatever it is. How do you how do you get get rid of all this stuff? That's in the uh, in the wool of the sheep. You rub oil. You rub oil on the sheep, and hopefully, it will just all this dirty stuff or bugs and whatever will just slide off. <laughs> will just slide off. So the the word comes when you anoint someone is to take special care, right? Give attention to that sheep. Give special care and anoint, and perhaps the the oil will rub off all the, uh, you know, can rub off all the dirty stuff. And, uh, and I think when it comes to this, this word, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord, pray over the sick, it has a sense of uh, the faithful prayer will rescue the sick person and the Lord will raise them up if they commit an innocent. It will be forgiven them. There's a, that's, that's a uh, connection between uh, sickness and, uh, and if they're, if it's a result of because of they have been, they've been sinning a lot, well, God will forgive them. Uh, but if if it's not, if they have committed, you know, it doesn't mean that every sickness is the result of sin. It says that if they have committed any sin, it will be forgiven them. So this is not some magic formula. Uh, it's but prayer, prayers of grace, prayers of peace, prayers, prayers that that are there to care, to, to really pay attention to uh, a hurt, to, uh, one who is hurt, one who is in pain, one who is struggling, uh, one who is, uh, who is sick, and uh, one who is filled with sin. Uh, pay attention to them and just give them special care, right? Give them special care. Anoint them. Uh, we can do that. We can anoint them with oil. Uh, it's symbolic of God's removing all of uh, pouring out his blessing of grace and peace, pouring out on them and so that they could be cleansed, so that they could be, uh, you know, all the things that bothered them could be get gotten rid of. So today, as we think through this, this whole thing about confession, I trust that we, we too are able to be encouraged in our hearts and our lives to go to God and also to confess our sins to one another. And wh when you talk about confessing your sins to one another, it means to involve the community of faith, right? Community of faith. And sometimes it might not, I don't think this is a blanket, uh, blanket command to, to say, hey, everybody start airing your dirty laundry. Uh, this, is not, this is not that. It says to, 
to, to be in a community where they are people you can trust, right? People you can trust to who are your brothers and sisters in Christ who will care for you, who will give that special care, who would, who would anoint you, who, would, uh, would, who can pray over you. It means people who are actually living in the grace and peace of Christ, right? And also giving out the grace and peace of Christ to you. So people who you trust who are living out the gospel, grace and peace. So it's not just a blanket thing where you just uh, simply air your dirty laundry. Because sometimes part of, because of the sickness in our heart, why we air our dirty laundry is so that we, we, we get to, you know, uh, a sense of, of uh, fame, you know, uh, or infamy. You know, that, uh, ha, look at me, I'm the one who's the, uh, who's been so, so, uh, so dirty and so whatever, filled with sin and, uh, and everybody look, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it, and it becomes center of attention. It, it is not about that. I hope that we it, it is not so that we can get to be a center of attention, but we can get the grace and peace that God promises us. So today, think about it as we confess. Uh, it is a discipline that functions within fellowship. In it, we let trusted others know our deepest weaknesses and failures. This will nourish our faith in God's provision for our needs through his people. We lay down the burdens of hiding and pretending we engage and are engaged by others in the most profound depths of our soul, says Dallas Willard. So let us pray. Father God, as we, uh, as we go through this whole time of uh, learning from you regarding confession, we know that it is, it's, it is a very difficult thing to do. We, we tend to hide. We, that's that's our in our built in us. We tend to not only hide, but we we use strategies to of blaming others and uh, and we we discount the fact that uh, somehow you you are able to forgive, somehow you are able to restore. Help us in our as we think through the the, the Bible, as we think through all the transformation stories, as we think through how you God your face is always. Uh, wanting to, to, to bless us with your grace and your peace, even though we are so gross and so, so full of sin, you're, you're, you are always wanting to bless us with your grace and your peace. That's what the story of the cross is all about. And may we never forget that. Help us to trust in you and help us to avail ourselves to the resources that are there in the church, in the, in the people of God to find trusted people, maybe in our cell groups or in, uh, in, uh, with our, 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 our spouses or whatever that is, that we could confess our sins to one another so that we can get cared for and find some tangible healing as others rub on us, as others anoint us, and as others give, give us the care and, 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 and uh, forgiveness of sins that we need. So Jesus, help us to share in the life of grace and peace. Help us to not abuse confession so that it become uh, some gossip story, but it will become something that will be powerful to transform lives. So Jesus, help us to, to not beat down on others, but to share the life of grace, the life of peace. Help us to not be so, so so filled with uh, uh, sin in our hearts and lives that, uh, that 
it, 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 it comes out in uh, psychosomatic illnesses or things that are so detrimental to us. Help us to have a spirit of coming to you, of humility, and to share in your grace and in your peace. Help us to be a community that, that will not be just filled with stories of gossip, but a, a community that will ex truly express grace and peace as sins are confessed, as, as, uh, as people are being cared for. So God, may your name be glorified. May your name be lifted up. May your name be really revered at five stones. May your name be truly worshipped so that we can truly say in our hearts, what a beautiful name, what a beautiful name, the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. We thank uh, Pastor Andrew to give us a, a, a passage, uh, talk about a very, very thorny subject of confession because it's something that we, we struggle in, in sin and we're the one that know what we have. And it's, it's really good to be reminded of the, um, the acts uh, we adore who Christ is revere uh, his name, the name of Jesus, and adore just for what he, what he has done for us. And then we move on to confession. Uh, and, and it's good that, I, <laughs> I like Pastor Andrew mentioned, that we have an allergy to confession, and, and we have a tendency to blame. And, uh, and that's just our human nature. And we just want to ask Christ to help us not to cover up our, 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 our sins, bring it to him. And sometimes, not always, but the sins can block us from receiving healing uh, where there is sickness. And if we have unforgiveness in, in our lives, then we struggle to, to move on to have health and restoration as well. So when our relationship is not right with the Lord, um, we, we suffer these turmoils and we struggle and, and we, we, we just don't have that peace in us. But confession through Christ will bring us that release, that healing, to acknowledge that we are all sinners. We are all sinners. And we need that right relationship with the Lord. So I, I just want to, uh, yeah, close by the uh, reading Psalm 139, uh, verse 23 to 24. Is, uh, in the, says, David says, Renew a white spirit within me. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive ways in me and lead me into a way of everlasting so it's a confession that brings us back to a fellowship with the Lord. Father, we just thank you for today, Lord, and thank you for the message uh, of the discipline of confession, Lord. And we struggle as sinners, Lord. Um, but, Father, we thank you for what you have done. And, Father, we thank you that the blood of Jesus on the cross has restored us 
and the sinners that you have made us saints, Lord. And Father, as we struggle in our daily lives, Lord, and when we have failed, and we ask you, Lord, that, that let us come to you with uh, openness and bring our sins to, at the foot of your cross, Lord. And we seek the power of your salvation in our daily struggle, Lord, that you bring us victory over sins, Lord. Father, we just thank you for our fellowship of believers, our brother and sister here at Five Stones, Lord. And we ask you, Lord, that you bring us in a place where we feel comfortable, that we may be able to, to share with our trusted brother and sister. We can share with our pastor when we are struggling with sins, Lord, that we are free to to speak out those things to, to them, Lord, that we are able to be released from the, the power of sin and the burden and the weight that drag us down, Lord. So, Father, we thank you for what you have done. Thank you for you are our Savior, and we adore you. We claim you as a beautiful name of Christ Jesus that brings us wholeness and truth, Lord. Father, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.